weekly sports anime fan podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. I am another Matt. Hey, welcome on, Matt. <laughs> uh, so uh, this uh, so this is naturally our review episode on Yamamushi Pedal, uh, New Generation, the third series or the th- third season of the Yamamushi Pedal franchise. Right. Um, we've been covering this for the past. Uh, few months now i think pretty much for most six of the year. months i was good i was gonna say six months and i stopped myself i was like has it really been that long no it couldn't have been it's yeah we watched this for six months wow i cannot believe that it doesn't feel quite so long which is odd because we didn't like the series i know <laughs> yeah not to spoiler alert our conclusion of the review right but yeah no we did not anybody who was listening to our weekly podcast would We'll know that we didn't really care for it. Yeah, but hopefully Um, we can suss out some of the reasons for it beyond that. Right. Which is kind of what we're hoping to do here today. Um, So, um, yeah, we kind of went into this with some, at least, with some expectations for it. We were both big fans of the original Yamamushi Pedal. For me in particular, it was what kind of got me back into sports anime, the original series. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, because you had recommended it to me, uh, being like, Matt, you really need to watch this sports anime. It's, it's like, it's really fun. Like, it's like, it's about cycling and it's crazy. Um, and you know, uh, so we were both kind of excited for the new season just to kind of see how it it went. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it kind of, we'll, we'll maybe, why don't I just go ahead and summarize this show real quick. Okay. Okay, so uh, this season takes place pretty much immediately after the uh, the first season. Uh, Anoda is now a second year student. Uh, all of the prior third years uh, from the previous season. So uh, uh, Shinjo or Kinjo, Makashima, and Tadakoro are all graduating. Uh, they are all leaving the. Uh, <clears throat> they're all you know leaving the school. They leave the captainship to Teshima. And vice captain to Aoyagi, and their goal is to make sure that they defend their title for uh, the second year in a row, uh, since they are now an up-and-coming uh, cycling powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then throughout the series, we kind of watch them go through separate races uh, just to kind of get their bearings or you know different events. Uh, we have a moment where Naruko goes back home to Osaka to kind of uh, do some soul searching. Uh, we have them repeat their uh, their two year their two th- or one thousand lap ride at their personal training camp. Uh, the second half of the series, though, is mainly about the inter high, the first day of the inter high, uh, where Sohoku eventually ends up ending it pretty much behind. They fail to win both the the first sprinting and climbing challenge, uh, but they are still inspired to at least try and take the uh, take the championship for the first day. Right. Um, so before we started recording, Matt, uh, last night I had kind of teased you with this weird revelation I had about the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm just gonna preface it with this. So I would say the main character of any show is basically the one whose story we're following. It like they are the ones who represent what the show is about. You know, it's their conflict, their strife. That we are following in order to get a greater understanding of the narrative. Mm-hmm. So, I have a question for you, Matt. Who is the main character of this show? Right. So, the obvious answer is Onoda. 
Um, but if you look at in terms of screen time and who's who's telling a story, I'm not sure that that's definitely true of season one and two. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure. I gotta see where you're at. I'm not sure that's true of season three. Who's the main character? Whose story are we telling in season three? It's it's either Teshima or Kaburagi, right? Right. I I don't think it can be Kaburagi though, because Kaburagi isn't uh isn't even in the show until towards the end of the first half. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, uh like Kaburagi is not there for. Is like, this show about Teshima? That was kind of my realization. Like, is it about Teshima? But I don't think it is either, because the show like. The show kind of makes Teshima the main character because it is kind of his journey that we're following of him coming into role of being a captain. But it doesn't but the, really give an internal narrative. Of, right. Yeah. It's like it's not really what the show presents, though. Like that's not the narrative that the show is presenting because Teshima still kind of comes off a little bit like Kinjo from last season in that he's just sort of this distant figure. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, he's not really a character that we really, like, interact with that much on a personal level outside of the times where he gets a race. Yeah. And I think the lack of a main character, like, a central character that we can actually follow, I, I think that's really what the big problem with the show is. Yeah, you're right. I think if you had to say anything, the main character is so hoku. Right, right. It's, it's the team, but because they spread the main character dumb equally between the six writers, uh, there is no main character. Right, and not only that, but it's like Imaizumi and Naruko are not really main characters anymore, like they were in the prior season yeah, either. They got like, a little more material in the first half, but yeah, especially once the race begins, they don't do anything. Yeah, they're pretty much a non-presence during this entire season, and it's like when you think back to the original season. Uh, to the original series, what was Anoda's main goal? It wasn't really the inter-high. The inter-high was an aspect of his goal, but his real goal was to find a social group. Mm-hmm. He wanted a group of people that would accept and understand him for who he was. Uh, the final race, uh, like his final race versus Manami, as perhaps illogical as it was, still kind of struck a chord because it was it was kind of Anoda's reward almost. Like this was kind of his moment where he came into his own. Mm-hmm. This was the moment where he was like, I'm doing this for this group of people. Um, like, this group of people that has come to accept me for who I am. The goal of this season, of this series, is just Sohoku defending their title. Like, there's no real investment that we have in this team. Yeah. Yeah, the the yeah the, the basic goal that everyone keeps saying is like, well, let's do it again. Yeah. You know, that's not exactly that exciting for an audience. Right. Like, and I guess it's just sort of relying on the fact that we watched the first se- couple seasons. Because this show is not for anybody who didn't watch the Oh, yeah. It's season. it's completely unapproachable. Right. Exactly. And it's like, the only reason to, like, I guess they're kind of hoping that our emotional core would be with these characters that were built up the prior seasons... But, and I, again, I think that's kind of, I think you're kind of right in that it is sort of angling for Teshima to sort of take on that role. But, uh, the problem is that he's not a very good captain. Yeah. Like, they don't present him in a very, like, they try, they're trying to present him as being like this, like, this fantastic, like, almost sage-like captain, 
uh, who, like, I think we've uh, came up with the term on the on our weekly show, a uh, captain sense, mm-hmm. uh, where he always has perfect understanding of every situation in precisely how everything is going to go, no matter how improbable or illogical it is. Um, and he sort of bases his entire strategy around this, like, completely insane, like, method of leading. Yeah. Yeah, he he's frustrating. Um, I, I think as much as anything, it feels like in the same way that Tashima is trying and failing to um, impersonate the all knowingness of Kinjo last year, it feels right. like the the whole rest of the series is trying and failing to impersonate what was exciting about the inner high the first year. So right. a lot of the beats are exactly the same. I mean, we get a multi-episode arc of Onoda falling into last place and having to work his way back by singing the theme song from his favorite anime. It's directly <laughs> what happens. And one of the high points of the show is when Midosuji, um, like, he notices what happened to Onoda, and he's sort of like, huh, didn't something like this happen last year? <laughs> Uh, which I feel like could sum up the whole show. Didn't this yeah. all happen last year? Like, aren't we telling the same story again? Yeah, pretty much. It's, uh, like, for example, during the inter-high, we have uh, their... Uh, Hakone sends out their hotshot sprinter, uh, their sort of up-and-coming one, uh, Dobashi, which was Izumita's role last year. And this year, they're sending out uh, their experienced third-year student, along with their... Um, their newcomer hotshot uh, sprinter. Uh, th- so this year would be Aoyagi and Kaburagi, which is ex- pretty much the exact parallel to last year's race. Right. Uh, which would be uh, front with uh, Tanakoro and Naruko. Right. Um, and it's just, and it's basically just copying all of this exact same plot beats and just sort of twisting the character. Like, basically, like, using it's, different yeah, characters. Yeah, it's just plug and play which character you're going to have fill the same role. Right. Which is also very weird, because this also leads to this strange issue where Sohoku, for some reason, is still seen as, like, an underdog? Mm-hmm. Which doesn't really make a lot of sense, considering the fact that, you know, they were last year's champions. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that, you know, it was kind of a one-time thing, you know? I do understand that, you know, it's not gonna be, like, this immediate, like, no, Sohoku is, like, now they're the god kings of cycling. Yeah, like, but, move over, Hakone. But they take it to such an extreme where everyone ignores them. And ha- has no interest in having anything to do with Sohoku because they're they couldn't possibly be better than Hakone. It's like they right. just very recently proved that they could be, um, but you know, like I get that they're trying to give some energy to the Sohoku narrative, but it's so over the top that it's unbelievable. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, I totally agree with that. Um, and it kind of leads to this weird logic they have with cycling. Um, because, and this kind of goes along with something else we were thinking about as well, with, um, with the races, like, how races mean more than they should, like, this weird, like, logic that they have about having to win the main race, like, like, no, we have to win the sprint, we have to win the climbers, uh, the climbers section of this race for what reason, again? I guess just to prove that you're the best? It doesn't really mean yeah. anything, though. I mean, overall... like, I could see as an individual, if you're really good at climbing, you want to win the first day's climb. But 
if your focus, if they keep saying that their their sole focus is on being in the best position to win as a team, um, and so the reason that they use to justify spending so much energy on these individual races is because you know they need to make a statement so that it'll discourage other teams and they'll have an advantage. Um, but when Sohoku repeatedly fails to win. The only thing that happens to Sohoku is they congratulate themselves on being so close and they're more motivated than ever. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, that was supposed to break their spirit, but it only motivated them more. So then, like, what effect do you think? Do you think it's going to have some fundamentally different effect on every other team than it has on you because Sohoku's just so special that they don't get discouraged? Right? Like, I just feel like. It- what it feels like it's trying to do is it's trying to come up with because it knows that the only thing that really matters is the very final race um but it's it's trying to come up with conflicts throughout well, yeah. and i don't i don't really blame them because right. you know the the inner high is basically it's like a marathon it's an extremely long race so you need to have something for them to shoot for in the interim um you know, there is this possible universe in which you could just make the inner high not last two years. Um, <laughs> but clearly the author's not interested in that. So, you right. know, seeing as it has to take, like, nine months of animation to get through a single race, um, the, you know, you have to make it work like that. Um, that being said, it, it's, uh, it's a little frustrating. Um I'm wondering, do you, do you have anything you want to hit on on this, Matt? Uh, no, I think we're about ready to move on to the draft. Yeah, so uh, this was fairly fun with our Tiger Mask review, so we're going to try it again for Yawapeta. Um We're going to go ahead and draft uh, the characters that we think are the best and the characters that we think are the worst. Uh, we came up with a rule in the interim that whoever's hosting the episode, you know, whoever covered the episode week to week gets to decide whether they want the first pick of the best characters or the first pick of the worst characters so matt what would you like uh i would like the first pick of the best characters all right um also a little bit different from our rules from tiger mask this time uh we 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 couldn't really think of a lot of characters that we would really like uh in the show that would generate meaningful discussion so for this one, we uh, kind of reversed what we did for Tiger Mask. We chose our two favorite characters uh, for this draft, and then our three our three least favorite characters, right. essentially. So um, I'm going to go ahead and start off the first round of the best characters, and you can probably guess who I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going with Ashikiba. <laughs> I he was yeah he was near the top of my list too. <laughs> yeah, I so I. Ashikiba kind of re- reminded me why I liked Yawamushi Petal in the first place. Uh, you know, it's he's a it's a very he's a very goofy setup for a character um, because his whole gimmick is that he sways back and forth like a pendulum, um, and he uh, he sort of gets into this mindset where he imagines him in a symphony or in the middle of a symphony. And he just sort of becomes exuberant while writing, like, almost absolutely, like, crazed and, um... He's ecstatic, yeah. Yeah, he's, like, ecstatic to be writing. This show has a tendency to fall back on just, oh, they're reserved, and then they're crazy. 
Yeah. This was this was actually at least a more interesting take on it because this is a man who is just jo- overjoyed to be writing. Like he has a very passive personality, but then he just sort of explodes almost when he rides. And it's a much more fun take on the character or on that character trope. Uh, not only that, but his race was probably the best in the entire series. Uh, in the entire series. That was sort of the beginning of when we saw uh, Teshima developing Captain Sense a little bit. Mm-hmm. But because that is when he was... Because uh, he did sort of predict that he would lose to Ashikiba, but that would inspire Anoda to sort of get over his slump. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a little silly. At the same time, though, just his writing style was very fun. Uh, and just... I was just excited. He also has kind of a fun character trait that kind of got ignored later on, which is the fact that he's sort of a ditz. Because he keeps referring to Anoda as being, like, a different character, like, a different member of the team, and Anoda just sort of goes along with it. Well, yeah, so what I think is funny about your description, Matt, is that you could have said all of this after, like, the first five episodes of this show. <laughs> um, like, all the highlights of Ashikiba's character come from early on because he's really emphasized and we were actually kind of excited about the show early on because we thought he was going to have a bigger role right and the thing i liked about him too was that he didn't really fit into being a having a direct parallel with someone from the last season uh and i was like oh wow maybe they're going to do some unique things with this no he was the exception to the rule yes pretty much all right so for the second pick of the first round i am uh going to pick my favorite character from this season, Yamaguchi. Who is that again? Uh, right, so Yamaguchi is a member of the Kyoto Fushima team, and he is known broadly as Midosuji's conscience. <laughs> uh, so that's sort of like, he was tasked by the former captain Ishigaki to keep a hold on Midosuji and to help him learn right from wrong. Uh, right. And he, you know, even though you get to the end of the season, it's not clear whether Yamaguchi understands exactly what that means or how to do it. But I like the fact that he tries. Um, I like right. the fact that he, he's on this team and he has a lot of doubts about what his role is. He's sort of just going with the flow with what Madosuji says, but he also has this separate influence of Ishigaki telling him that, you know, Madosuji might be skilled, but he doesn't necessarily make the best judgments at all times. He also gets put in this difficult situation where he's supposed to race a Noda on a hill and he can't possibly keep up because he's a sprinter. Um, and he's trying to figure out why Madosuji would put him in that position. What, so ultimately what I like about him, even though he has relatively little exposure, is the fact that he represents someone who is not completely sure of themselves. Right. Uh, someone who does not have a great strategy, someone who doesn't have a superpower, someone who's just sort of caught in the middle of this situation. And sort of, you know, he he almost represents the view of the average person, even though Teshima always talks about how he's an ordinary man. Um Yamaguchi seems much more like a human character who would just be observing all this and being like, this is weird, this is weird, I don't get it, I guess I'll try, but I don't get it. Um, <laughs> and so I, I liked his arc because it was more believable than most of the motivations for the characters in this show. Okay, uh, that's an interesting pick. Yeah, um, I, have... I, I had a feeling it wasn't going to get taken, so... <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely... No, he was not on my list. But yeah. it's an interesting point as well because he also is one of the few 
who not only has sort of a character arc during this season, but also an implication that he could continue to have one in next season. Yeah, he, he definitely will. Uh, because, you know, he learns from Anoda. It's like, okay, so, like, he's sort of inspired by Anoda, just like, okay. Like, so he just doesn't even worry about listening to the opinions of others, like, yeah. essentially. Uh, like, and you know what? That, that can actually lead to something more meaningful for the Kyoto Fushima team. Yeah, I agree. Uh, down the lead. So, okay, that uh, I like that pick. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> no problem. Uh, so, my second and final pick for best character, uh, believe it or not, I'm still going with Anoda. Huh, okay. Didn't expect <laughs> that. You know, honestly, like, Anoda has such little presence in this season, and I think it actually really hurts it. A lot, because I think most of the time when he's around, when he's on screen, I think it's at, the series is actually at its best, generally. Yeah. Uh, he is still, like, you know, he had the potential for a very interesting character arc this season, because he was somebody, you know, you know, last year he kind of could get, a, he could kind of get away with not being, like, you know, with just being sort of nervous and... You know, not anybody's senior, essentially. You know, he's mm-hmm. not teaching it. You know, he's the eternal student, almost. You know, this season presented an opportunity for him to actually try and grow into the role. Uh, and, you know, we got some fun... We got some actually... Like, most of the time when he was on screen, they made a joke with him on screen. I generally got a laugh out of it. Like, I got a laugh out of him pretending to know who Komori, the evil masseuse from Kyoto Fushima. Uh, I got a laugh from him... Uh, just trying to pretend that he knew who he was because he didn't want to embarrass himself in front of a new first-year student and offend them. Yeah, that was that was a high point, definitely. That, that was definitely a high point for me. Uh, I like the fact that, you know, he starts off the season not entirely sure what he's doing. Like, he doesn't actually, you know... Just because he won the inner high doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be 100% at his best all the time. Like, you know, he's gotta be concerned about, like... You know, he's got a lot of pressure on him now to actually maintain his position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate... I still do appreciate his character. I would say his biggest issue is that he's not really the central character anymore. Um, and I really wanted to see more of him. No, I agree. Uh, I, I, I had no criticism of him when he was on screen. The only, the only issue I had with how he was used is that it wasn't that different from last year, you know. Like you right. said, there was a lot of potential for him to really have to engage in a meaningful way with the pressure of being the returning champion. Right. Um, and the only way that showed up was, like, everybody tried to block him, but then he sang his Hime anime song and <laughs> broke away anyway. So, like, his conclusion, there wasn't really any growth. He just reinforced the lessons he'd already learned last year. Right. Which is fair, I guess. Um, he, but you know, I generally got a laugh out of him, so I kind of gave him a pass. Yeah. Um, so the last best character that I'm going to uh, highlight here is uh, another Sohoku writer, but not one who is on the team. It's Koga. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I actually had him on my list as well. Yeah. He, um, Koga stands out for me because he, mostly because he, he was a high point in terms of intrigue for the season. Um, a lot of the ways that we enjoy shows that aren't 
very good is by <laughs> trying to imagine ways that they could be really good. Right. And so what what one of the high points of covering this week to week for me was the uh, training camp arc where we saw Koga trying to compete to be on the team. Um, and there was there did exist the possibility at least theoretically, of Koga um, becoming the team captain and replacing Teshima. And what I would have really liked about that is if it had happened. Uh, because right. if, if that had happened, it would have totally upset expectations. Um, the third year's wishes would have been subverted. Uh, you would have gotten to see a new character bring a new style and a totally new philosophy to the team. Everyone would have to react to it. He probably would kick Kaburagi off. Um, or he would at least train Kaburagi to know what he was doing. Like, there was a lot of implications from that. Um, but the end conclusion was Teshima just, like, persevered like an ordinary man and then just reinforced them doing the exact same thing they were going to do anyway. Um, so it was a missed opportunity, but it was... He was really fun in, in so far as he provided the possibility of some intrigue. Right. Um... I'm also going to agree, I kind of like the twist, because Koga had, was, I had forgotten about this, he was in the first season yeah. of Yamushi Pedal. Yeah. I do, even if it was probably just uh, the author being like, oh yeah, I wrote this character, yeah, I'm going to just throw a twist in with him or something, I don't know. I do kind of like the implication that there's been this monster writer, like, in the background of Sohoku all this time. Yeah. That's only now making his move, like, I, I do kind of like that. That yeah, sort of his backstory I, was pretty empathetic, too, of, like, getting right. injured and having to work his way back. I mean, gosh, I, I just can't imagine why the author would keep them off the team when he's clearly a much more interesting character than the ones he put on. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure we'll discuss some of those. Shortly. Most likely. Um, I do want to point out as well, I, I, am, I am actually one of the defenders of uh, Koga's loss because I do appreciate the way that that was built up as being a folly of his own arrogance. Uh, now, whether or not that was really fair because, frankly, the Sohoku team, for the most part, kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, like, I, I did appreciate, though, that his character actually, like, has a reason for losing just by milliseconds rather than it just being a constantly intense race. Mm -hmm. uh, that just sort of ends up, oh, well then, uh, it's like, well, if it had just been a few millimeters shorter, then this guy would have won. Mm -hmm. uh, like, there was actually, like, a reason for it was because he let up just in, like, the last couple seconds because he thought he had it. Like, so I, I do appreciate that he, he did actually have, like, a fatal flaw to his character, an intentional one. Yeah. Uh, that worked out in his favor. Uh, that worked out in the story's favor, I think. Yep. Um... So anyway, uh, we are now, I think we've got our picks for the our two best characters. Uh, we should now go on to worst. Now, Matt, it is your first pick. I think I know who it is, but I'm going to let you do it, buddy. Okay, so uh, my first pick for the worst character in Yaopeda is, who else could it be? It's Kaburagi. Yeah, I, yeah, I figured as much. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was frustrating from word one, basically. Um, <laughs> the, his entire role appeared to be to be the new Naruko. Um, right. Because now Naruko has to be a scene, like an upperclassman, and he has to mentor people. 
Um, so they still needed someone who was loud and brash and uh, instinctively skilled or whatever. Um, and I guess he filled that role, part if only because they made his character design almost indistinguishable from Nariko. <laughs> you know, that's a fair point. Um, I, I think one of the... Like, he also had one of the most annoying gags in the entire series. Oh, yeah. Which is his complete and utter insistence that he is an all-rounder and not a sprinter. And you have to wonder at some point, why do you care? Yeah. Um, well, right, and that's the thing. If they had given any backstory to explain why he would care, then right. fine. Then you could take it. Um, but he, they just have episode after episode after episode of them telling him, "Oh, well, you need to you need to sprint here. We need you to sprint." And he's like, "What? I can't do that. I'm not a sprinter." And they're like, "Oh my gosh, just do it." Right. Um, and what gets me is that Tashima, before the race even started, he and Koga and apparently everyone else with Captain Sense had figured out that <laughs> Kaburagi was naturally suited to being a sprinter, uh, but no one had told him. Right. They because... just sort of let him not know and they decide you know Teshima basically said he'll figure it out within the race like what kind of legitimate captain would make it a strategy to evolve within the race i know it's a sports trope right but why but do that intentionally right because it's it's something that's not done intentionally it's done out of desperation generally right. in these sort like when there's no other option you have you may it's like you may as well just experiment and see what you can do yeah. Here it's just like no, that's my legitimate strategy because he won't be able to accept it unless he decides for it in, in on his own, which you know to be fair is kind of true for his character because he need in order to even take any advice from people he needs to be informed by this pretend god of orange soda. Well, yeah, right. Uh, so the only way he became a more effective sprinter before the race is um, because Aoyagi would hide while he was training and leave him notes and Kaburagi assumed that it was a note from the god of orange soda telling him how to and he legitimately earnestly believed that the god of orange soda was giving him cycling advice like yeah it's just there there was never any sense of why you had to make him so aggressively dumb and just annoying yeah just point pointlessly annoying pointlessly dumb um so he was like he is emblematic of the series uh, or right. this season for me um and that's unfortunate yeah um so uh, along the same lines uh i have probably the second character who would be the most the second most emblematic character of this season uh -huh. who also sadly is the worst uh at least my pick for worst okay uh that would be teshima sadly mm. um and the sad thing about Teshima is, I liked him at first. Yeah. I really did. I thought he was a much more sympathetic and interesting captain, captain than Kinjo ever was. Because he was just, you know, he wasn't naturally talented. You know, I think that's a fine hook for a captain. You know, he's sort of the people's captain. You know, he knows how, you know, he knows how to lead through knowing what, the peop what people are actually like. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there was this great moment early on when Teshima starts talking 
with Anoda, you know, and Anoda's struggling with his slump. And Teshima just tells him, hey, man, it's cool. Like, take your time. We got to figure this out. I know this is kind of a strange situation for all of us. Like, we all have to sort of readjust to our new positions. It showed a lot of insight for the character. And I really liked him. Uh, but the problem is that as the series went on, he just constantly had stupid plan after stupid plan. Uh, just, and like, not only that, but the series felt like it was just beating us over with the head with the fact that he's the people's writer. Like, he's just the normal guy writer. And at some point, that stops meaning anything. Yeah, I wasn't really sure what, if he can actually keep pace with Minami, but he right. just keeps declaring how ordinary he is. Is he ordinary? What does it mean to be ordinary? Does it mean that you don't, like, grow wings out of your back? But right. what does that mean if that's only symbolic? Right, like, and I think that's one of the, the core issues with the show is that it doesn't really explain cycling as a procedure, almost. Like, I don't understand why Minami using his gears is considered to be his specialty. Almost. Like, why is this so effortless for him? Yeah, why can I he guess. do it but no one else can? And, like, why can't Teshima do that, essentially? Right. Like, there's no reason for him. Like, why doesn't he have this so-called special ability? Because really what it comes down to is just pedaling. Yeah, uh, it's it's endurance, you know? Right. Like, you can't, but you can't make endurance look like a superpower, so they gotta come up with something fake. But, but it's funny because they kind of did with uh, Koga, because he was the... Uh, right. The... <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, I mean, I know what you're saying. Uh, but yeah, no, just, Teshima was just a real, real letdown for me. Especially because he was kind of a compelling character last season. Uh, and I feel like they really ruined the potential that they had with his character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, it was a letdown. Um, so the, my, my second pick for the, uh, the worst character in Yaopeda is uh, hailing from Kyoto Fushima is Komori. Okay, interesting. Um, so, Komori is probably better known as the evil masseuse. Um, right. And his his whole character is he's he has this special ability where if he touches someone's muscles, he can infer a deep level of knowledge about their cycling abilities. Right. Which... I know this show has to go to extremes to make these characters' abilities differentiate, but... Right. Like, it's... Uh, I don't know. It's just so absurd, you you kind of have to sigh at it. Um, what what I didn't like was that you never got any... Re and maybe, I'm sure we'll get something next season, but, like, he was included as a, uh, as a meaningful character for months, and you never right. got really any reason for his attribute you never got any reason for his goals you never got any sense of how he came to the school of what his relationship to Medosaji is what the other people's relationship to him is all you got was shots of him over and over again washing his hands talking to his bike and like grabbing people um and so there's this combination one his character isn't very well developed and two there's like this sense of everyone being freaked out of like "Ooh, is this masseuse boy gonna grab my muscles and like <laughs> it feels a little bit like gay panic yeah a little bit 
Um, and, you know, the way his character is designed, he's very feminine, and he sort of, like, just slithers up to people. So there's a lot of things that are combining to make it, like, communicate the fact that he comes off a certain way. Right. And that being, like, a menacing thing. Um, and that he gets, like, this ecstatic impulse of, like, touching well-muscled boys. And, again, it's it's just boring. Like, you know... That's fair. It, it's... You know, they, they could... They can somehow find an interesting way to get an analytical character who can do this, but the way that they chose to do it was um, by making him, like, a scary gay guy. But, you know, never really actually coming out and say it. Right. Huh. You know, I never actually made that connection myself. Uh, but I think that's a really fair point, to be honest. In fact, actually, I have to confess something to you. Uh, Komoria I had actually considered in my good list, but actually crossed him out. Yeah, I mean, um, like, the, 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 the only thing that's good about him, the reason that I might have put him there, is just that he doesn't have a parallel to the last season. Like, right. Like, at least, you know, they were trying to do something new, but, like, they did it in the, the worst way possible. That's fair. Right. Well, because the reason, I was thinking of that just because it represented at least a change in Kyoto Fushima. Where, yeah. No, like, and it, I, I agree, because if they were just exactly the same team, it would have been boring. Um, but I have to say, I, I, I appreciate the change that Yamaguchi brings... Right. Uh, but I'm I'm and like again, you can have another evil character in on Kyoto right. Fushima. I would like that. Um and I'd I'd be into like having someone who's more quote unquote purely evil than Midosuji or whatever. Right. Um but how they went about it was kind of eye roll. That's fair. You know what? I think you convinced me, honestly. Alright, like... well that's what we're here for. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so who's who's your pick for the second round of Uh my pick? second pick is Actually, a returning character from last season, another member of the Sohoku team that did not make it onto the main team. Uh, it would be uh, Sugimoto. <laughs> he was on my best list. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he was like number six or whatever. I'm like, but yeah, go ahead. I'm, okay, I, I want enough. you to convince me. Okay, so my big issue with Sugimoto is that this he they were trying... This was a character who was always meant to be a joke character. Like, he was never really that particularly interesting last season. Like, he was there to kind of be like... He was there to sort of explain things to onlookers, but still be semi-entertaining because somebody would always point out how he only, like... He himself couldn't actually do this. But always trying to play like, well, I'm an experienced writer. You know, fine. He was an annoying... He was already an annoying character. What I don't like about him is that they completely did a 180 on that admittedly fairly annoying character in the first place, but it came out of nowhere. The series is trying to force this weird relationship between Sugimoto and Imaizumi. Yeah. Uh, Like, this whole, like, Sugimoto's one dream is to help Imaizumi, like, he's gonna be the one who pushes him to the finish line, essentially, because he idolizes Imaizumi that much. Because I guess he helped him a couple times with his training, um, and it felt to me like this was, this to me is very iconic of the issue with this series trying to force new relationships to happen mm-hmm. in the series, kind of for the effect of selling more merchandise for like sort of 
like, okay, you don't like a Maizumi with a Nota? Here, uh, we, we can pair him with Tsukimoto now. Here, we, we got ammo for that now, girls. Like, have at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff like... It, it, and my problem with it isn't so much just because of that, but because it came from absolutely nowhere. It was, oh, we need to have another... We need to have another character on Suhoku that Maizumi has a closer relationship with. Uh, Sugimoto, let's just use him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and not only that, but his... You know, his race was also kind of infuriating as well. Again, partially because of Teshima and his stu- like, and his stupid deal that he made with Tsukimoto. Mm-hmm. And with Kaburagi and Donchiku. Right. Uh, but, like, the fact that not only that they just sort of let Kaburagi into the team in lieu of Sugimoto... Just because uh, Kaburagi won by literally a couple of milliseconds, uh, that was really frustrating to me as well. Yeah. Uh, because it also shows how the team is not planning out their strategy at all. Yeah, it was kind of... Uh, yeah, that, that, that bothered me, the fact that, like, he, him managing to take on two freshman by himself and almost winning was not taken into consideration like just the the simple lack of strategy that Sohoku took in assembling their team like yeah yeah that really bothered me like if he had like the only reason that he was in the first year race was because he volunteered and they just declared that whoever you know if Kaburagi won he could be in it but like it was the most random circumstances, but, like, winning the first year race never meant that you got to be on the inner high team before, but now it suddenly does. Right. Um, even though, like, why would you assume that a first year would be on it? There's other, you know, um, so if he had just done better at the training camp, he could have been on it, but, they, you know, it was just never explained why it had to be this way and why him losing by a fraction of a second meant he had to stay off the team. Right. I mean, it's it's emblematic of the fact that that the the show um, like doesn't actually think about the strategy for assembling a team based on the course. Right. It's just based off of well, we decided on this race, therefore it must be almost like it's almost like a like a like a tribal sort of um, like you have to prove you're a part of this team by winning this race yeah exactly even though they're like oh but this race isn't actually demonstrative of the skills you need to win at the inner high they're like it doesn't matter it's the race and we said so so deal with it um yeah it was it was annoying it was a frustrating thing but like and you can't even pin all that on sugimoto but it's just the way the show used him right exactly and that that's kind of why he was on my worst yeah okay uh, so is it, is it my turn? Yes, it would All be right. your turn. I mean, there's only two of us. I don't know how I would, why I would ask <laughs> that. Like, well, you know, if is... I needed, you know, if I had anything more to say yeah, on yeah, the matter, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for backing me up. Um, no problem. All right, so for my last pick on worst characters, uh, I'm going to go with Don Chico. Interesting. All right, so uh, Don Chico, of course, is Kaburagi's uh, cycling partner from always. Um what I disliked about Donchiku is that basically he served as an unapologetic enabler to Kaburagi's uh, self-centeredness. Right. Um, 
his primary role there is to be a humble and generous person who allows Kaburagi to be a selfish ass. Right. Um, and he's he's <laughs> completely aware of this. Like he acknowledges himself that he's like, oh well, Kaburagi's you know he's an only child, so he gets everything he wants. I'm the oldest, so I always have to support other people. So it's just my personality to support people. So it's like you know he, he doesn't have any ambition other than supporting Kaburagi but it's not really clear what Kaburagi actually gives back in terms of their relationship it really right. feels unbalanced um but the show like tries to explain that away as being a positive thing and something we should admire about him huh so it's interesting because uh, Don Chico didn't make either of my lists partially because I didn't think of him I guess like, yeah I mean I, he I gets pretty forgettable him. about halfway through this season right because, I, I mean, I did remember him, but I couldn't really think of anything about his character that was particularly offensive, I guess. Yeah. Um, I do understand, though, because he is associated with Kaburagi, which just naturally lowers his standing, of course. Right. <laughs> um, but not only that, I, I, one other thing I will say is that he also has the most boring gimmick in the show for his writing, because he's literally oh, yeah. just another character who's, like, super quiet and passive, and then when he rides, goes nuts. Like, not in even in, like, a fun way. Like, Ashikiba just gets angry. Yeah, I he guess. just, like, screams like a crazy person and his tongue hangs out. It's like, okay, well, who doesn't do that, I guess, while cycling. <laughs> okay, cool. So, uh, I guess now it would be my final pick. Yep. Um... I actually had a couple of choices here for my final pick, but I think I'm going to have to go with the one who had the most influence on the show, which was uh, Manami. Uh, mm. So, uh, from Hakone. So, uh, Hak uh, Manami was an interesting counterpoint to Anoda last season, because Anoda was so desperate to be a part of this team and not let down the people uh, like who are a part of it. Manami was basically his um, was basically his counterpoint in that he didn't care about this team at all. Almost, he had this very carefree personality, whereas Anoda was, you know, very conscientious. He was always very nervous, excitable. Manami was just always sort of like distant and unaware of the world. He he kind of existed in his own little world. Which made him an interesting rival, an interesting counterpoint to Anoda. Hmm. Uh, and they had an interesting interplay between one another. In this season, Minami is basically just Anoda. Like, it sort of downplays everything that Minami was about before. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate that he he is upset that he lost. And I do appreciate that he is upset that, you know, he did let down his team. You know, he kind of has this realization of oh, shoot, like, my carelessness is what lost me. You know, I was the one who was responsible for Hakone's loss. Mm -hmm. I think that's an okay way to go about it. I think the problem, though, is that it makes him a much less interesting character by actually having him care about the Hakone team. Like, I, I he works best as a character, as a counterpoint to Anoda and his sort of careless attitude towards everything. Right. It felt like to me with, uh, with his character, they had, um, they were too afraid to make him a dislikable character. 
Uh, so, like, it didn't feel like this was just natural to his character development, essentially. Like, this whole, like, him getting nervous about writing again, you know, him feeling guilty over the loss of Hakone the yeah, prior yeah, yeah. year. Yeah, like, it felt so forced. It, it, was a for- it was forced for him because they didn't, because they wanted him to stay a likable person. Yeah, it um, would have been really interesting if he didn't care that he'd lost. Yeah, kind of like, oh, well, that was just my race, you know, whatever, haha. You know, create some, you know, some issues within the Hakone team. Yeah, like, no, but, like, he he's supposed to have this totally divergent personality from the rest of Hakone, but when it comes down to it, he's just like every other member of Hakone who treats it incredibly seriously. Right, and oh, it's just... Gosh, and it, it's like, we're doing this, and I'm realizing new reasons that I think Yoapeta is boring. <laughs> But yeah, it's like, man, Manami, again, he's kind of another wasted potential character. Only this time, it was potential that he already had last season that paid off. And this season, they're just sort of going along with the motions. It's it's not, he's not an interesting character anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that about does it for the draft. Was there anybody that you, uh, that just, you know, in passing you had thought of that, uh... Yeah, the, wanted... the one interesting one that I was forced to leave off my best list, I, I put, I actually combined two characters, uh, I put, uh, Kinjo and Arakita. Ah, um, yeah, yeah. Because our, fa- like, our favorite moment from the whole series was when Kinjo and Arakita end up at the same college and they start racing together and we were desperately hopeful that the show was going to start focusing on them right. because we were so bored with Sohoku. We just wanted to see <laughs> what their college team was like and right. that new dynamic of them being freshmen. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, Kinjo being the wise leader before now has to come back and he has to be the newbie again. You know, it's, it's an interesting setup. But yeah, yeah the and like, man, how, how cool this show could have been if they just kept focused on Kinjo, we had that right. brief moment where there was the hope of a possibility that that might be what they do, and I, I will treasure that hope, even though it proved vain. <laughs> uh, for my best, I had put down Mido Suji, even though he is yeah. basically a pointless villain. Like They pretty yeah. much undermined his entire growth from last season. But, you know, a pointless Mido Suji is still Mido Suji. Yeah, he's still kind fun. He's still fun. He still he still gets some fun animation. Yep. Uh, you know he's still fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, some of for, his crazy overreactions where he just defies how human bodies work are still. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, they're still fun to watch. Yeah, uh, and then for my worst list, I had put down actually uh, Yuto Shinkai, who is Shinkai's little. Oh, brother. I put that too. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay, he was the one I thought you would have never put him on there because who would have thought of him? Because he didn't do anything this season. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just because he represents like. You know, he's a literal carbon copy of a character from last season. Yeah. Uh, who has basically the exact same treat, uh, trait. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that that was basically it for me. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, Matt, I have one more question for you. Uh, yeah. Who would you recommend this to? Nobody. Okay, fantastic. Um, I would... I would... Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't even know if I'd re- recommend this to people who enjoyed the first season. I might just say, wait for season four, it'll probably be better. Maybe? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, hope springs eternal. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I would say, at the very least, if all you were invested were invested in, in Yawamushi Pedal, like the first two seasons were the character relationships and sort of the boys love undertones i guess the season will do you well um 
like, you know, they do a lot to expand on a lot of those. I just feel like a lot of the focus was too much on doing that, and it kind of lost sight of what the core of the story was about. Yeah, even though the most popular boy was Makashima, and he was hardly in it. Yeah, you know, that's a fair point, too. Like, like, Toto and Makashima were the real, like, breakthrough characters of that season, and they were not really there, so it... Yeah, even if even in that case, I mean, I guess if you were a diehard Teshima Aoyagi fan from last season, I mean, this season uh, <laughs> I is gonna guess. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna I mean, do you great, but like, yeah, who but, cares? Yeah, kind of. Like, even then, like the relationship in this is not nearly as interesting as it was last season. Yeah, because this is just sort of, oh yeah, we're besties. Wink. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, no, I, I'm kind of with you on this. Uh. There are so many, like, even if you're a sports battle, if you're, like, a battle sports, like, type of fan, there are so many better series out there, like, that, yeah. that you can Or just for. the first two seasons. Yeah, of or just the first two seasons. Yeah. Like, cool. it, it, it ended well, and just, maybe just let it die. <laughs> yeah, kinda. Alright. Cool. Well, uh, I do appreciate you joining me, Matt, as always. Thank you. No problem. Well, uh, we appreciate, if you listen to us, uh, we will see you again, uh... Uh, next week. Alright, later. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Koshiencast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiencast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.